along. Good morning, everybody. We're GFBS. We're Grand Fork's best source on a health and wellness day. In the studio today, Dr. Dave Bibedorf and Dimitri, and I can't even pronounce his last name, but we'll, we'll, we'll get him to do that here in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, your show today brought to you by the Spud Jr. and the big Spud Street throwdown going on tomorrow. You want to go check out the grand opening of the Spud Jr. Awesome party outside, 6 to 11 tomorrow. The street's going to be blocked off. they got three great bands coming, including headliner Jared Neiman. Darian Lee will be there, the Heat Seekers. You know, finally, we get to have an outdoor party. Come and celebrate with Justin and the whole crew. The Spud Street Throwdown. It's tomorrow starts at 6 o'clock right in front of the Spud Junior at East Grand Forks. GFBS will be there. Hopefully, we will see you there, too. All right, before we get our show going, time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here we go, Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Uh, Our joke today, did you know there is a new horse species with one eye and a horn? Yeah, new horse species out there with one eye and a horn. It's called a unicornia. Yeah, I kind of thought I'd get that response. Paul, what do you got to say about that one? That was a cornea joke. (laughs) (laughs) That was better than the joke. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show, uh, Dima and Dave, Dr. Dave. Uh, Why don't, first off, I'm just going to call you Dima, or your real name is Dimitri, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, uh, my name is Dmitry Poltovsky, and I'm originally from Russia. In fact, I came here as the first um, exchange student out of the Soviet Union back in 1992. Uh, the next day, uh, the Grand Forks Herald came out uh, with an article, headliner, essentially, that said the Russians are coming. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, you know, I, I've been in Grand Forks ever since. Uh, right now, I'm an associate professor of psychology at the University of North Dakota. And uh, I'm also a, a partner with Dr. Pibedorf uh, in the company that we started a couple of years ago that is called uh, Advanced Neurovision Systems. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about what we do with Dave a little later, but um, in a nutshell, that's what I am and mm-hmm. what I do. Um, how, how, what made you come here right. from the homeland? Yeah, that's a perfect question. I did not make that choice, you know. Okay. When the, the, the Soviets send you, they just send you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> With a destination in mind, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the way it worked out was that that was the first year... Uh, during the Yeltsin years in the 90s uh, when U.S.-Russian relations were actually uh, warming up mm-hmm. after the Cold War and the collapse of the Berlin Wall. And they started organizing those exchange programs. At the time, I was a, a second-year um, university student in the, in, at the University of Moscow studying English and linguistics. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I wanted to take uh, an English proficiency exam to see if I would be eligible to go on exchange program for one year to the States. So I did. Uh, about a month later, the dean of my uh, department tells me that I will be going to the States, and then she tells me I'll be going to North Dakota. So I asked her, <laughs> what was my score? <laughs> 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 None of your business. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, so she told me, no, that, that, that decision was made by a lady who uh, actually worked. I'm sorry, uh, I'll turn it off. That's okay. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, sorry. Uh, who worked for the University of North Dakota at the time, Sharon Rizek Anderson. She was international uh, student coordinator. Mm-hmm. And she was on the committee in Washington, D.C. that was selecting students uh, to come to different universities in the United States that year. And um, uh, she liked my essay, essentially, that I also had to write. And she selected me to come to UND. And, you know, I, uh, I really liked it here. You know, I, nobody knew much about North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I had one American friend, and she was from... Chicago, I believe, she just told me that it was really cold. There were no trees and uh, <laughs> a lot of Native American tribes. So, like, yep, great. Yep, you know? yep, <laughs> yep. Fit right in, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it must not be too bad. You're still here. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved my college years. I loved UND. And, you know, I still feel uh, that nothing has changed since the student years. I'm still going to the same university. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every day, but for some reason the students are getting younger and younger. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, hey. you know how that goes, right? <laughs> What's going on? Wow, all the way from Russia to North Dakota. Uh, Dr. Dave, tell us a little bit about you. A lot of people here in Grand Forks know who you are. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, Hillsboro and uh, went to uh, UND, of course, and then uh, went to optometry school in Southern California. Uh, I started out in practice in Rochester, Minnesota, and that's where I first got involved with sports vision. And, uh, and I ended up here in 1988 and have been here ever since. Now, you uh, have done some world traveling as far as uh, doing what you do. Uh, you were the optometrist for athletes in Sochi, is that right? Well, we did some of the athletes that went to Sochi okay. before and after, and we uh, shared uh, with the Olympic uh, Committee some of their test results. There were actually seven from UND who had uh, participated in the, those Olympics, so I was able to get to Sochi. That was my third trip to, to Russia, and that was, that was quite an experience. Wow, I bet. Uh, do you do work with sports teams, I mean, in general, besides just the Olympic team? Well, we've, we've done some studies with UND teams, and we've uh, also done some youth uh, hockey uh, training here in, in the Grand Forks region, also connected with a study from the North Dakota Department of Commerce. So, yeah, th- those kind of things, mm-hmm. but uh, mostly individual. Okay. Um, now, uh, advanced neurovision systems, is that what it's called? What, what do you guys do, I mean, essentially there? I mean, I know it has to do with athletes, and, and it's, it's amazing to me that this hasn't been done years ago. Maybe the technology wasn't there, but tell us a little bit about what you guys do when you're working with athletes, and, and we'll get into some of the questions after. Sure. Um, well, we have a couple of branches in our business. Um, the, the whole idea of organizing as an advanced neurovision systems was um, kind of research-driven. Uh, for the past 10 years, um, Dave and I, we've been involved in a number of studies with the UND hockey players, uh, with athletes uh, in the community uh, from different sports. Um, we, we got um, uh, two grants from the North Dakota Department of Commerce Research and D program. One uh, had to do with uh, looking at how different visual training, sports vision training uh, regimens would influence uh, performance of athletes uh, on different type of measures that we previously showed have impact on uh, sports-related performance. 
And the other grant that we currently have uh, from the North Dakota Department of Commerce uh, has to do with the fact that we are applying some um, techniques from our visual training protocol that we've developed to now uh, see if it would be effective as a treatment for childhood dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Um, So the third and right now our primary um, area of um, clinical application of our um, visual training protocols is in the area of um, neurovisual rehabilitation after um, mild traumatic brain injury like okay. concussion. Yep, yep. So, and our services are now currently being uh, reimbursed by a number of insurance companies uh, and considered to be uh, valid techniques uh, that uh, partly are derived from um, Dave's field of optometry and known as uh, optometric vision therapy that is endorsed by the College of Optometrists and Vision Development. And part uh, is the product of um, our research and what we have discovered uh, using various, even physiological measurements like EEG, like uh, what they call visual evoked potentials, um, and, and how uh, your visual system changes as a result of, of those training protocols and what how, how it may be um, connected to higher uh, cognitive functions mm-hmm. um, associated with visual attention. Um, you know, it, it's... I don't know if, if this makes any sense or not, but uh, <laughs> Dr. Dave, you know, when you look at professional athletes, uh, I'm going to go with, with some of the faster, um, I would think your vision would need to be better, like hockey, uh, baseball. It's You don't see too many athletes wearing glasses, and I don't know if it's just because their vision is better or if they all wear contacts or what, but... You know, if you don't have very good vision, you're probably not going to be a very good baseball player. Well, baseball is one of those sports where <clears throat> contrast sensitivity and and uh, acuity is 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 has to be optimal. And in fact, one study that has looked at most major league players have at least uh, twenty over twelve point five visual acuity. Wow! And that's you know some of them, of course, corrected to that, but that's how good their vision is as mm-hmm. far as picking up a pitch and things of that nature so yeah. can, can you actually can you train your vision yes there's uh there's several layers of of uh the visual system that can be trained uh beginning at the visual cortex you can train contrast sensitivity and acuity uh, on a neural basis but you can also train oculomotor functions eye teaming functions focusing um Quickness of focus, near-far focus, um, peripheral awareness, peripheral reaction time, eye-hand coordination, and it, it gets really sophisticated into the perceptual areas, the cognitive perceptual areas, looking at the, the, the little cues that can tip a, an athlete off as to whether they're going to the right or to the left, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So. so like an average Joe like me who wears glasses, uh, is there a difference? I mean, would this be something for me, or is this something more for the athletes that are making millions of dollars a year? No, anybody can can be trained, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's been borne out, especially with the concussed athlete. Many times a concussed athlete at a major league level, let's say, um, may not be aware of some of their deficiencies, mm-hmm. and they're actually lower than the average Joe after a concussion. And so we not only have to get them back up to the average Joe level, but enhance that even further. All right. Uh, and, and we are going to talk a little bit about concussions, too. But now uh, I want to ask you this, Dima, if your vision, if you've got trained vision, uh, 
your performance, I would imagine, would be better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, in our first study uh, with the UNG hockey players, and that's back in the day when we had both uh, uh, male and female uh, hockey teams here, uh, we tested all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, we were able uh, to predict based on the measures that we collected from them, visual measures, uh, what their end of season scores would be mm-hmm. in terms of points scored, you know, goals scored, etc. Uh, even a number of minutes um, uh, spent on the, in the penalty box. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these measures have the, the ones that we use um, uh, have been linked by our group and others uh, to sports performance, and uh, they are important for sports performance. And there are specific training modules on specific oh, on these exact measures that you can objectively show mm-hmm. have improved, and then you would expect to have a translation on the field or, you know, in sports-related performance. So, All right. Now, if you're, say you're a professional athlete, let, let's just keep using baseball, for example. Uh, you're one of those guys, you know, you're, you're an average player, you're making... Five million a year, six million a year. Now, if you have the vision or you train yourself, you know, train your vision, can that help turn you into, say, an elite athlete that's maybe making 30 million a year? I mean, I would imagine it has a lot to do with it. You know, that's the big question right now is what, what can we and how far does it go? And, and uh, to determine that, it, it takes, some, takes some work, good studies. Oh, I would imagine. Another reason we like doing it, but uh, we like to think that if there's a guy who's in a slump, let's say a baseball player who's mm-hmm. in a slump, um, many of the things that are being looked at right now are mostly motor problems, mm-hmm. um, maybe motor memory problems and things like that. We like to look at that visual problem, our visual system, and make sure that there's no interference or that the information's coming in efficiently and efficiently, and if there is a problem, to try to rectify that. Is there an age where maybe somebody should start training their vision? I mean, I don't know if the eyeballs grow like the rest of the body or, you know, because, I mean, you'll hear them say, well, you're, you're too young to be in the gym. You're too young to be working out, lifting weights, stuff like that. But is there a certain age that this really can, you know, start to work? Well, we, you know, as the visual system develops, we know that, um, let's say, for oculomotor accuracy, uh, a third grader is better than a first grader when it comes to oculomotor tracking mm-hmm. and, and accuracy and things sure. like that, especially when it comes into reading. But but uh, once you get to the uh, adolescent age or, or uh, late elementary school mm-hmm. age, and that seems to be the area where a lot of uh, a lot of progress can be made. Yep. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of parents out there. They think their kid's going to win the next Hobie Baker or the Heisman or whatever it is, and, and I would imagine if they're watching the show, they're probably putting this down on the list going, there's another thing we got to make Junior do yeah, is yeah. maybe go through some of this. Yeah, there's, have, there's some cool stuff. And there's, there's neat apps out there nowadays. The digital age has really changed the way um, athletes are approaching the game. And, uh, and so I think you're going to be seeing a lot of people um, paying more attention to this as, mm-hmm. as the um, – the level of uh, differences in the motor or, let's say, physical aspect of the sport become closer and closer, this might be one area that they can investigate to, to give them the, 
the edge in sure. that sport. Sure. I got I got a question that uh, so if we go away from like you know outdoor sports and these uh, kids that are playing all these video games and stuff because some of them I mean there are so many things that you know they're looking at all at one time and their reactions have to be really fast because I mean it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty big it's a pretty popular platform now so I don't know if that's yeah, uh, and there have been studies on that, and you would say that uh, kind of a first-shooter video gamers uh, who are good at it, they are expert at kind of a peripheral awareness and uh, switching focus of attentional focus from one object to the next very rapidly. I think Gretzky said that uh, the difference between a good and an elite player is, is, is not like, you know, the, the set of skills, but decision-making, really. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, and um, you would be amazed how visual processing uh, factors into decision-making, that split decision-making, because uh, if you've achieved that ease of rapidly processing visual information, especially motion-related mm-hmm. visual information, and then you have the capacity still, uh, you have not used up a lot of resources to process that signal, and now can allocate those resources to decision-making mm-hmm. and you know, appropriate decision-making. And that can give you that edge that uh, Dave's been talking about. And, and my, it, my, uh, my parents, like, I'm just kind of curious about this too, because my parents always say, you know, don't sit too close to the TV or you're going to go blind, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, they have the, like, they're staring in front of these computer screens for so long. I mean, is it like, are they improving their vision or is it actually hurting them? Well, I think what there, there's several parts of the visual system that you have to be concerned about. I think what we're going to be seeing now, especially after COVID, and all the time that these kids are spending on social media mm-hmm. or their computer screen or Zooming, um, I think we're going to see uh, uh, this is, these are the developmental years where myopia is, is going to increase. And I think we're going to see a lot of problems with myopia increasing during these days where they're spending a lot of time on these things but that's not to say that they're not improving in some other area like visual attention and okay for the that dummies area. like me well, what is myopia like being nearsighted okay so they can't nearsighted. see the board anymore all right far, so they're sure. doing all that close work and and you know um i grew up an athlete uh being an athlete and you know none of this stuff was ever around way back in the day but uh probably would have saved me a couple of concussions and things like that too because you know some of these sports your head's got to be on a swivel and when you mentioned gretzky uh greatest hockey player ever um, he, his game was where to be, not right now, but where to be at the right time. And your vision, there's, you know, there's nine other guys out there skating around with you. You got it. You have to kind of anticipate where it's going and where to be at the right time. And, and the vision has got everything in the world to do with that. I remember one of the first, uh, hockey players I saw when I was in Rochester, he was a retired hockey, uh, NHL player and he had absolutely terrific peripheral vision and i said man you you've really got great peripheral vision and he says yeah when i was playing hockey they used to say i could anticipate mm-hmm. but he says it wasn't i could anticipate it i could see it out of the corner of my eye yeah so, yeah that makes sense yeah. uh by the way if any of you guys uh have any questions out there for uh, dr bieberdorf or uh, uh dima you could call us up 701-213-0863 again that's 213-0863 poltovsky I got to remember, I just, I can't even understand my own writing here. Um, should we talk a little bit about concussions? I mean, this sure. is, this is kind of getting me too, because um, I've had a couple uh, that I know about that I actually went to the doctor for. Um, I'm pretty positive I've had a couple that I didn't go to the doctor for, but um, 
more and more concussion awareness all the time now. Uh, less kids playing tackle football. Uh, the NFL now doing a tremendous job of changing some of their rules, changing the way the game's played, and it's because of head injuries. Uh, you see a lot of these guys, they, they might only be in their 40s or their 50s, and their brains are basically like a bowl of jello. I mean, it, it, concussions is a serious thing. Yeah, uh, this is an area of research that Dima and I have been looking at is, is how can we or what can we discover on patients or athletes who have had a history of concussion? Can, are there anything that we can pick up that are residual from maybe a concussion years ago? And we've found two factors, at least. One is an oculomotor factor where they may have trouble keeping their eyes converged on, mm-hmm. on near targets. So that would be an oculomotor fa- factor. And then there are other um, visual factors that we've found. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, essentially, you know, they're clear to go back uh, on the field or on the ice uh, within weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're standard protocols that are available that include um, some neuropsych testing, some balance testing, and some, you know, physical uh, uh, symptoms. Once those symptoms clear and everything checks out, uh, they're good to go, but are they the same as they used to be prior to concussion? Well, not surprisingly, those with a history of concussion are up to five times more likely to get another concussion. Sure. Well, one of the issues here may be that they are no longer able to anticipate uh, an impact that may result in a concussion. Mm-hmm. So, which made us think that there may be some lingering visual deficits that do not recover on its, on their own. Well, I would imagine there would have to be. Yeah. Um, now, when you know you hear all this, it's concussion protocol. Now, they, he passed concussion protocol. Uh, back in the day, it was. Uh, you know, you go to the sideline, you don't even know where you're at, and, and if you're a football player or a hockey player and the coach says, you all right, you ready to go? Yep. Okay, get back out there. There's your concussion protocol. Boy, it's not like that now. And now uh, you read about some of these um, ex-professional athletes maybe had up to a dozen concussions, some of these guys. Does it take longer every concussion you get to heal? Um, so what... We've been uh, discovering, and some animal studies uh, suggest similar findings, is that uh, concussive injury does not necessarily disrupt um, the... um, Well, that does not kill a particular cell in your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, It may not kill it, but it may uh, severely compromise its function. Sure. Uh, So our brain cells, they, they have... Kind of like a part of, of the cell is, is, is kind of like a, a, an electric cable that's a myelinated axon that, that transmits electric information from, say, uh, one portion of the brain to the uh, uh, other um, uh, portion of the brain. And there are specific brain cells that are associated with very specific visual processing that are especially vulnerable to concussion. So they start transmitting that signal slower. And those are the cells, actually, along the track that transmit motion-relevant information. Mm-hmm. And in fast sports, like hockey, football, baseball, that is the primary visual track. The one that does not give you the detailed information, uh, but gives you just crude information, but very uh, something that, that has to do with emotion. So, for example, if you're a, a goaltender in hockey... Mm-hmm. 
and you see the puck coming. I mean, you, you don't see all the details, all the notches on the puck. Right, but you right. just see that overall motion and there's some object going. That is specifically the function of that visual tract whose cells are most vulnerable to concussion and do not recover without specialized training. Mm-hmm. To retrain that pathway is crucial, especially for athletes, because it's so much concerned with motion detection. Okay. Do you, now, do you think parents out there should be they be afraid of letting their kids play tackle football or any of these physical sports? I mean, uh, safety equipment is getting better. Um, it, it just seems like concussions are just one of those things. I mean, I thought, I, what did I read? It only takes like, was it like 12 pounds of pressure per square inch to crack a human skull or something like that? I know the numbers are, are I, I may be digging there, but is there, is there a way to avoid them? I mean, do you keep kids out of sports? What do you do? I mean, you could fall off your skateboard, you could trip over your cat, and, and you could end up with a concussion. That's exactly it. So I think there's risks with everything, and uh, it's just being aware that there are risks and mm-hmm. that some of these things um, uh, may be more prevalent and, and uh, persistent than we once thought. Say maybe you're a junior high school, you have a mild concussion. Uh, how do you heal? Can you heal? Does it just take time? Uh, what, what would you do? What we advocate is is having an assessment that that includes the visual system, and also realize that if there is a deficiency in, let's say, an ocular motor skill or a, a focusing skill or something to that effect, that if it's amenable to treatment, to go ahead and and rehabilitate that mm-hmm. skill. Let's get it to an optimal level, so that number one is it's it's maybe can prevent another injury from happening and and help that anticipation system. But but uh, maximize their performance, and so that's kind of why we developed our company. Well, it, it makes sense because I mean the brain pretty much runs everything in the body, uh, which includes your vision. Yeah. And so you know if you keep the melon safe, I would imagine the eyeballs are going to be a little safer too. Um, I did I forgot to mention this too. Uh, talk a little bit about the the sports vision pyramid. What is that? Well, basically, it, it, it's, a, it's a good way or a model to uh, better understand what goes into athlete performance. So the, the, the bottom of the pyramid is basically made up of, of raw information that comes in, like visual acuity or contrast sensitivity. That would be the bottom level. There are five levels, by the way. The next level would be the, the, how the eyes work together as a team, how they move to the left or right, up and down. Uh, sideways and and slow eye movements, fast eye movements, and focusing. That would be what we call oculomotor skills. The third level would uh, I- involve mostly um, decision making and and the motor as- ac- activities connected with those eye movement skills. The next level would be uh, integrating that with visual perception mm-hmm. and perception and cognition. Um, the uh, ability, the higher level. Uh, processing and then the top level would be uh, how how to put them all together and and perform on the field. Okay, so now it seems like you guys are doing all the dirty work. I mean, you're doing all the research on this stuff. Are there places that specialize in this like kind of training? I mean, if somebody's got an athlete, a child, or or maybe they're going there in high school, they want to get to the next level, college, possibly professional. Is there somewhere that they can go 
to, to work on, on, on some of this stuff with the sports vision. There's a lot of uh, doctors around the country who specialize in sports vision. I'm on the board of a, a group called the International Sports Vision Association, which is not only optometrists and ophthalmologists, but it includes athletic trainers, uh, physical therapists, um, uh, weight um, strength and conditioning uh, coaches and things of that nature. And, and they're trying to integrate these these techniques, these drills, the assessment and, and the uh, rehabilitation of these skills into uh, sports facilities. Um, and, and so if you look around the country, there are, there are independent eye doctors, but also organizations that are trying to get these, uh, these ideas mm-hmm. involved with their organizations. So one example is IMG Academy, which is a high, high level high school academy. If you're going to go play professional tennis, you're going to go to IMG yep. Academy. Yep. And, and, and so they have a program there set up specifically for uh, vision training. Well, I would imagine uh, within a very short, short time that um, hockey teams, professional hockey teams, baseball teams, they'll probably have somebody on staff, you know, just like you would a trainer or whatever else in the weight room that is probably going to be doing this. And that wouldn't be a bad job to have. I I know you've, uh, I I think my wife and my son have have done a little bit of stuff with you. And I know my my son thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. And well, my wife was too, but she's not an athlete anymore. But, um, and and this is something that I don't think a lot of people really think about. Um, It's, you know, wow, my kid's not very good at baseball. He's afraid of a curveball. Maybe he just doesn't quite see it yet. I mean, that's what got me out of baseball. I was afraid of a curveball. So my wife, who is the, our third partner in the business, she, she is the, um, the therapist and the trainer. Okay. So she worked with uh, the Lamarou sisters, with mm-hmm. uh, Rocky Grimaldi, and, and, and some uh, hockey players from the uh, women's team, UND women's team. So she, she has trained, using our protocols, uh, quite a few um, athletes, uh, elite athletes, mm-hmm. uh, and... Um, so far, the feedback we, we get is, is very positive uh, to the point that, well, they, they want to come back and do it again. Yeah. Okay, that was going to be my next question. If you are or if somebody is training in this to make their vision better for sports, is there a time when it's done or you just try to keep coming back because there's more and more you can learn, more exercises, all that kind of thing? Well, that's why we have those objective tests. Mm-hmm. You see uh, how they do compare to uh, the system that we're currently using is is known as the uh, synaptic sensory station, which is uh, that's one one of the tools that we're using, which is a um, descendant of the Nike sensory station. You know, back maybe ten years ago, Nike wanted to do just that: uh, introduce uh, something for visual training for uh, elite athletes. And that program didn't go anywhere because they had some internal issues with funding and personnel, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the engineers and the scientists from that group founded their own group and produced like the Nike Sensory Station 2.0 that became known as the Synaptic Sensory Station. And uh, it, it, it has um, a database for many sports inside that system and for different levels that compares your performance in your sport, to your level, where you are percentile-wise, where you should be if you want to perform well. And throughout training, a repeated testing will show you how you are advancing and where you are at now. Okay. So you come in, you basically get tested, 
and then you decide which exercises or which path to take, how long does it take to come in and, and maybe have that initial test and, and have your starting point at what you need to do? Oh, one to two hours is usually the uh, initial assessment. And, uh, and then sitting down with the athlete, trying to figure out where are our strengths and weaknesses and what kind of route we want to go, how many times a week you want to do some training, give them some drills that they can do at home. How do we integrate this with your, let's say, weight training or mm-hmm. what else you're doing? And, uh, and, and we're, pretty, uh, we're pretty flexible as far as trying to help an athlete uh, fit it into their lifestyle. We do have a, uh, somebody who was asking uh, if a race car, at race car driving speed with continued one direction motion, does that affect the visual system in the brain? Oh, good one. You know, there's, there's a good question. That, that, that we, we should get our race car drivers to come in and we'll, we'll test them. I could probably hook you up with yeah, a couple. There we go. There we go. Yeah, uh, but, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um, have you ever run across, say, an athlete that, that wants to go through this testing? Have you ever run across an athlete and you just went, Oh my gosh, how is this guy so good when his vision is so bad? Does that happen? Yeah, and Dave can give you some. Well, those are, those are the most exciting ones because we can say to them that we're, very, we're, 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 we're almost 100% sure that we can probably make your game much easier. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not uncommon to find major deficiencies in the visual system. Um, but, but unfortunately, many, many, many athletes don't don't even think about it. I think mm-hmm. they, they say about 25 to 30% of most uh, elite athletes have never had an eye exam. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I just keep going back to the movie slap shot with the Hanson brothers. Yeah. They're all wearing glasses yeah. like this, but now here's the thing. My vision was always good my entire life. And I was doing play by play hockey and I was up in the press box at the Ralph and that's a long ways away from the ice. And, and I was having problems following the puck uh, making out numbers, and then when deer hunting came around, I realized that there's got to be something wrong. Uh, went in for my first eye exam, found out I needed to wear glasses, and I didn't even realize how bad my vision had gotten until I went and got glasses, and it changed my world. That's what we have found with our synaptic system because it creates a profile of an athlete in their position at their age level, whatever, um, an athlete can suddenly discover the areas that they are deficient in mm-hmm. when they weren't aware of it and, and, and look at improving those areas. Well, when you throw out the numbers, uh, some of these elite athletes have never even had an eye exam. Wouldn't you think, you know, if you're an elite athlete, you got a, a, a however much money you're making on your contract, don't you think that the team would say, okay, now you got to go in for an eye exam? I mean, don't you think that would just be part of it as, as far as you have to pass a physical um, I, I would think that that would have to be a part of a physical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of issues here. One is awareness uh, of the research that's out there, awareness of the factors that may affect performance. And the other uh, one is, well, if it's, it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know. Exactly. Yep. So it's and, been and, working for us. And like in my case, I didn't know it was broke. I didn't realize it was broke. And I finally got it fixed. And that's what it took me to realize that, yeah, I needed to get glasses. Sure. Oh, boy. Um, The racing thing. Uh, What would you do if, if, uh, like, say a sprint car driver or the the faster of the cars, what kind of a training would they go through for something like that? Because they're not, I mean, you are looking every direction. 
Um, and I know there's a lot of racing fans and, and drivers that follow this show, and uh, that was a pretty legit question. But what would you say to, say, maybe a, a dirt track oval racer that maybe thinks they need some help? Well, what I would want to do is I would want to get the elite drivers, mm-hmm. analyze their visual systems, and then on these up-and-coming drivers, let's compare them. Okay. Let's see what skills they're de- they're, they're not matching. Okay. And then let's see what areas that we can train that are deficient and, and try to match their performances and the visual system and see what happens. You know, um, yeah. I know elite drivers that are really good that have been behind the wheel of these race cars for 30-plus years, 40 years. Well, Tommy Corcoran was six decades or whatever. And then you've got the up-and-comers, the early 20, and they're really, really good race car drivers too. So uh, you think maybe, maybe I could hook you up with a couple of them and we'll see what happens? That'd be a good study. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, now, if I could just go to the pits tonight, <laughs> I don't think they're going to let us in. Um, what else have I missed out on here? Tell us a little bit more about what you do. I mean, I, I, this is way out of my league. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, I, the sports part I get, but what else can you, what do you do or do you, would you like to talk about here? Well, I think, I think one of the things that I'm very interested in is the concussion aspect. And, mm-hmm. and the, the big unknown, I think, right now is when do we return them to play? When do we return them to learn? When, when, we, when do we return to drive? And I think there's a lot that can be said about an, analyzing these visual skills and helping to guide a coach or a parent um, based on their visual performance so that they don't run into uh, or risk another injury. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what uh, I'm excited about. Yeah, but, it, but it's even, uh, it taps into even academic performance. Mm-hmm. So um, kids with some oculomotor deficits, and which are you know, part of Dave's you know, second tier on, on his uh, training pyramid, which would be your, kind of like the hardware um, uh, of your visual system, uh, they may not be um, optimally set up to, say, do a lot of close work. Mm-hmm. They start developing headaches. They lose focus. Uh, they suffer from inattention. In fact, what we found is that uh, the surprising fact that a stimulant medication is, 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 is definitely effective for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, mm-hmm. but in up to 15% of cases uh, of kids diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, stimulant medication does not work, mm-hmm. and they don't know why it does not work. Well, it turns out that there is a huge comorbidity issue with oculomotor visual problems in those type of kids, and their symptoms are actually visual symptoms that are being masked by ADHD-like symptoms. Yep, and, and you see more and more kids on medication for that now. Do you think maybe doctors, uh, you know what, I hate to say this, doctors, parents, whatever, do you think they're just using this as the easy way out and saying, well, you know, he suffers from this, let's just put him on meds? And see, I'm not a medication kind of guy. Um, if you absolutely have to take them, you take them. But to me, it seems like sometimes it's almost a cop-out, or, or am I wrong there? So, so uh um, so, so, uh, there is a legitimate use for those type of drugs yep. uh, that, that has to do with um, neurotransmission in the brain and kind of balancing uh, different neurotransmitter systems, uh, optimizing your brain function. But uh, oftentimes, uh, you, the, 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 the umbrella that is used uh, to, to diagnose is too broad. And, and these type of issues 
professionals are not aware of. So that's why it's important to be, you know, to have that awareness and interdisciplinary uh, uh, type studies done. Um, even when we publish our studies, it's, it's often uh, very difficult to publish them because we, we use such uh, a variety of approaches that uh, go beyond optometry that go beyond psychology, uh, that tap into neuroscience, and we cannot find an appropriate outlet to sort of converge all our evidence and present it in, in, in one package. Um, if you want to learn more about our company, um, our website is um, advancedneurovision.com. So it just, just um, you know, written as... Uh, Three words okay. all together. Yeah. So now, if, if okay, what? Um, I was just. Uh, this might be kind of a silly question, but I'm just kind of curious if you have an answer to it. Um, so, because I went to school for art for a long time, so when you have um, people that seem like people say they like they're naturally better at art, I mean, is it because they, they do they visually like? I don't know what, what would it be like digest the colors and stuff better than other people, or well, well, that's an interesting. Subject that you brought up, there are some, there is some evidence that patients or people who do have a gift toward art are are, are better at global processing, processing things in a global sense. Um, and so y- you see these differences, and whether it's a psychological difference or a visual difference, you know, you know, we're splitting hairs here, but who knows? But um, but there does seem to be something different with good artists in their ability to see the whole or, or see patterns and things of that nature. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Say um, if you're an athlete or you have a, a, a child or it doesn't matter if they're a kid or a high schooler, uh, maybe they got their bell wrong a little bit. Um, are there signs to be watching for if you're, if you're, you know, boy, I wonder, hopefully Junior doesn't have a concussion here, but are there signs or symptoms that uh, a parent or an athlete should be watching for? Yeah, I, in fact, just uh, just yesterday in optometric management, uh, I put out a a little blurb, a little comment on on some of the things that you can do, very easy things that you can do. Uh, many times after a head injury, just looking at stripe patterns, mm-hmm. uh, black on white stripe patterns can make you nauseous. Uh, pulling that up, it's it's sometimes hard for an athlete to mask these symptoms. They'll pull it pull back or push away or close their eyes when you present them, let's say, with a stripe pattern. Or you can make, uh, there are apps that you can get that will have moving stripes, and you can put it on an iPad and, and just have them look straight ahead and put that iPad in their peripheral vision, and that motion sensitivity is heightened sometimes after a concussion, and they can feel very nauseous, and mm-hmm. they just avoid that. We have a, a training device called a, a synaptic strobe, which are strobe goggles that switch from opaque to clear to opaque in a sequence very quickly. And, to, and that's for helping to train. But many times after a concussion, if you have them look through these flashing strobes, um, it, it's just something that they cannot tolerate. So these are some just some simple little things that you can do to try to provoke uh, symptomatology, and and uh, and that those are those are just some things. But just uh, being aware of of symptoms, it, the just the the refusal to read or or sit at a computer may be enough to. Uh, uh, cause them to have headaches, and that's mm-hmm. that's a big clue. Uh, I still remember. I believe it was my first concussion. I was probably sixth, seventh grade, and it was in a hockey game. Um, first thing the doctor asked me was, "Did you throw up afterwards?" And I said, "Yeah." And it was pretty much done deal. You have a concussion. 
Uh, they send you home, wake him up every three hours, make sure he's still living or whatever. Uh, and I would imagine things have changed a little bit since then. Yeah, since then. But uh, but like I said, there's there's uh, they're still looking for the the uh, the gold standard or that that objective test, whether it be a blood test or anything else that will uh, be. Um, beyond subjective Yeah, it's, it's very or, difficult to diagnose yeah. concussion. I mean, yeah. You can run a CT scan, but it's not going to show you. Right. Unless there is big structural injury. Okay. We're talking about the, the, uh, those sub-threshold functional injuries to the brain. Um, and, and, you know, I should probably qualify uh, Dave's statement that uh, we deal with uh, um, individuals with a history of concussion, not uh, somebody with an acute concussion. Because mm-hmm. you need to, you know, if you... If you if you tear your bicep, you're not going to do a bicep curls the next day, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you got to let it heal. At least start with the light 12-ouncers <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, the work you do is fascinating. Um, if you're a sports guy like me, uh, I, I could sit and listen to you guys talk about this all day. I know you, you've got places to go, but, um, you know, we'd love to have you back on the show again uh, when we can talk a little bit more. And... Um, Wow, again, uh, your website, one more time, if, if somebody wants to find out more about this or phone numbers or anything you've got out there. Yeah, advancedneurovision.com. So www.advancedneurovision.com, one word. Okay, and if somebody maybe wants to go through some of this sports vision training, can they get a hold of you guys then? Oh, yeah, yep. And uh, get them set on the right path? We have a website. Uh, um, on the website, we have our phone number uh, as well as our um, contact email. And we, we, we operate out of Valivision, so uh, okay. we, you, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a good uh, synergistic type relationship with them because we're close to the optometrists, mm-hmm. and yet uh, we're doing clinical services that they do not provide. Wow. Okay. Hey, you guys, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dave Bibedorf, Dmitry Poltovsky. Uh, I said it right that time, didn't I? Uh, boy, very, very fascinating, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, maybe I'll even come and talk to you here soon. But uh, there you go. Paul, do we have any questions or anything coming across? Uh, can a parent or a coach help an athlete train vision, or do they need to come to you? How is vision trained or improved? We, we, like, to, we like to work with coaches and, and try to integrate things. Some of it has to be done off-site, so to speak, but we like to work with coaches. Right. It works good. All right. Well, there we go. Hey, uh, thanks again, you guys, and uh, we want you all to become a Podbean Premium subscriber. Uh, easy to do, and it's only 5 bucks. It's like the cost of a burger, all right? A chance for you to win some great prizes and giveaways here at GFBS. Just go to your Play Store, you download Podbean, search GFBS, hit follow, you buy premium, and you are all set. Well, again, uh, special thanks today to Raptor PCS right here in the Grand Cities Mall. Best place to take your computer with a full-range computer service at affordable rates. I mean, they do builds, virus removal, hardware repairs. It's a place to go, too, if you want a new laptop. And in most cases, you know what? Your computer will be done the following day. Raptor PCS, they'll come to your house. They'll pick your computer up. Or you can just stop in at the loading zone right in front of Rumors. They are the winners of the top-rated local businesses in 2019 and 2020. You bring your computer in and you mention this ad, they'll give you $20 off any computer service. You know, we go to Raptor PCS all the time. I told you it's the best place to take your computer. Check them out at RaptorPCS.com or call 701-772-7626. Raptor PCS right here in the Grand Cities Mall. 
Oh, we're getting ready to head out to Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll be there for a little bit. We're going to hook up with Sammy Swindell and Mark Dobbeyer. Drivers of the number 13 Buffalo Wild Wings Nosa Sprint Car getting ready for tonight's World of Outlaw Races. Monday, East Grand Forks Park and Rec's director Reed Hutton will join us. And make sure you like, share, and tag us. We are Grand Forks' best source, giving Grand Forks an identity again.